0: So ito pong buong month of November, we have five Sundays, and we are starting a a sermon series called Everyday Crucial Questions. So ECQ for short, right? ECQ tayo buong November. Uh, We are talking about five questions that is crucial, not just for the church, but also for each and every one of us. So, itong five questions at all. This frames what we value as a church, what we want to strive for. So, the answers to these questions will reveal what we like, what we desire for the church to look like. And what I hope is that uh, this is something that you will value as well. This is not just for the church, but for us individually. And our first question for this uh, ECQ uh, series is the question, What shapes your life? what shapes your decisions. When you when you know, when you see on the news that a storm is coming, how do you respond? What's the basis of your emotions? How do you decide? What's the basis behind your decisions, your actions moving forward? You know, each one of us, each one of us, whether you are young or old or whatever situation that you are in, has something or someone that has the biggest influence over our life. Whether we make a decision, we respond to situations, or we process things, there's always something that share that shapes our, our life. And uh, I hope that we have an understanding what that is. And as we understand what shapes our life, let me present to you that what really shapes our lives best is the word of God, right? so let me just uh, share a uh, uh, a story okay? this is uh, this is a uh, history uh, october 31st uh, 1517 uh, this uh, this is about 503 years ago uh, to to the day yesterday or for those who are still in canada it's still october uh, uh, still october 31 so what happened in october 31 1517 it's a historical Turning point in the area of Christianity and and religion. Uh, there's this guy, this this a German Augustinian monk named Martin Luther. Uh, you should not confuse him with Martin Luther King Jr. That's a different uh, that is a different person. So Martin Luther is a German monk. Uh, he went to the church uh, in Wittenberg, Germany, and he posted something on the church door. Uh, some 95 statements opposing the incorrect teachings of his time. And particularly, he is addressing the issue of indulgences. So I will not talk about uh, what uh, what indulgences is, but uh, essentially that means, you know, at that time, uh, you can pay for your heaven. You know, you can pay for your way to, to heaven. Uh, if you have money, if you have resources, you can buy something, a piece of paper that says, uh your that your time in purgatory will be greatly re- reduced or uh if you have enough indulgences it's your way towards heaven. All right. So yun yung addressing Martin Luther and his main argument with posting that is that the church at that time is moving away from the teaching of the scripture. Uh, and obviously at that time uh, people are easily influenced by incorrect teachings um Uh, of of that period because they don't have access to the Bible like we do today. They don't have access to the Bible, but if they do, they don't understand it. It's written in Latin, okay? Uh, And and uh, very few people know Greek or Hebrew, and it's not translated. And the Roman Catholic Church at that time heavily controls the reading and the explaining of the bible so what martin luther want is just for for the church for christians everywhere to repent and 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 say you know we are moving away from the teaching of the scripture he he is not starting a revolution he he just wanted to uh, to to you know to address the incorrect teachings of of the church he loves the church he's a monk uh but providentially while that is happening It was also a period where uh, there's a development in technology, um, specifically in uh, the developing of the printing press. So unbeknownst to Martin Luther, yung sinulat niya na 95 Thesis and and other writings that he did was produced, was immediately reproduced because of the printing press. And that sparked uh, the uh, Protestant Reformation that we know and, and belong today. Uh, all because people like Martin Luther opened their Bible and allowed the Bible to shape their life, their their, their faith, their conduct. Uh, I think today, uh, I believe we have uh, an opposite but equally dangerous situation because uh, unlike uh, during 1517, uh, we have so much access to the Bible. How many of you have at least two Bibles in your home. You have have a hard copy Bible, you have a a Bible in your uh, phone, uh, laptop, and then uh, maybe different translations, uh, different sizes, different covers. Uh, You have so much access to the Bible, so much so that we take it for granted. Yes, we understand, we know it's important, but generally speaking, we value the scripture uh, limited to the things that involve religion or spirituality. So it has just become an optional tool. It's an optional thing to consult when we are looking for answers, but very limited in the aspect of our life. Just, you know, if I want to, uh, to feel good about myself, if I want to know uh, what God is uh, uh, speaking to me today, Uh, And that's a sort of a dangerous way to approach the Bible because that's very close to, you know, just uh, reading uh, or reading a horoscope, right? And today, I hope, I would encourage you that the Bible is designed specifically to shape your life in the best way possible. That there's a great need for the scripture to shape our life today. And I will explain what's the situation, why we need for the Bible to shape our life. And I will also explain uh, and share some reasons why we can trust the Bible to shape our life. So two things, uh, I will share, why is there a need for us to, uh, for the Bible to shape our life? And I will also explain the reasons why uh, we can trust the scripture to shape our life. So that's basically the big idea of our text today, uh, looking at 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17. So, Uh, So here, what we are reading in this passage, this is the letter of Apostle Paul uh, at the later stages of his life, and he was already in prison, and he knows that he is dying. So he is giving final instructions and encouraging this young Christian named Timothy. That's why this this letter is uh, uh, named after uh, its recipient, Timothy. So in this, Uh, I will explain the two things: the need for the Scripture to shape our life, and the reason why we can trust the Bible to shape our life. Okay, so let's look at the the need. Ano yung sinasabi ni Apostle Paul na pangailangan? Bakit kailangan mas shape ang buhay natin according to the Scripture? One, as he looks at you know, as he starts this this chapter, I did not read it, but you can look at your your Bible. Uh, There are, Apostle Paul is saying there will be times of difficulty, right? If you are a Christian, there will be times of difficulty. So Apostle Paul starts this section on his letter in this chapter. He said, you know, people around you, people around you will be lovers of self. They will be lovers of money. This is verse 2. They will be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Grabe naman si apostol Pablo. Pa- naman ng description niya. I'll explain later why you know this is so. So uh, Paul is saying, you know Timothy, there will be times of difficulty because you will, uh, aside from seeing good people, aside from seeing people who who can influence you uh, in good things, you will be more surrounded, you will be more uh, bombarded with people who don't love God. Uh, they actually love themselves. And so th- this has a powerful way of influencing you so it will be difficult for you to to stick with an anchor of your uh, of your faith and conduct. What else? Aside from uh, having times of difficulty, there will be times of deception look at verse uh, 5 of chapter 3 uh here's a, actually a sad description uh paul says having the appearance of godliness but denying its power you know every time i read this i i feel bad because you know the difficulty the 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 difficult people the people who love themselves are not actually outside uh, the circles our circles it's uh, uh, those are people that may possibly be inside the church they appear to be godly but they don't have the life giving spirit look at verse uh, 7 they are always learning but they are never able to arrive at a knowledge of truth how how sad is that that uh, you know, many people are reading the scripture, but they cannot figure out what the point is. So there will be times of deception. That means, you know, people are deceived themselves. They don't know that uh, that they are really don't, they don't have the power of the spirit within them. But there are also people who, there will be people who are deceiving others. There will be people who are deceiving others. So there, Timothy, there will be times of difficulty. There will be times of deception and there will be times hindi lang deceived ang people, hindi lang they will be uh, deceiving others. They will also uh, persecute you. They will also persecute you. Look at the testimony of Paul in verse uh, 10. You have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I, en- I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. If you are familiar with the missionary journey of Apostle Paul, he was persecuted uh, not just from the hands of the Greeks, he was also persecuted uh, in the hands of his fellow Jews, his fellow Christians. Sabine in verse 12, indeed, all who desire a godly life, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Make no mistake, if you are a Christian, it will not be an easy path. Christianity is not an easy path. It's a it's a life of of persecution. And this is so important as Paul is warning uh, Timothy in chapter 3, he continues with chapter 4 and you can look at that, I know, uh in your own time. Uh so this is really important. This is like like Paul is just giving us strong warning to Timothy that this is surrounding you everywhere. And when we read something like this, you know, the, the image that comes to mind is like a very violent, very chaotic, post-apocalyptic world, maybe like we see in the movies, right? Or something like, like The Purge. Uh, I don't know if some of you watch the, the movie The Purge, uh, any, any of the parts. Uh, I haven't actually. <laughs> I haven't watched The Purge uh but i i know the idea that every man for himself right it's like at, at one point uh, there's one day where everything can happen um and that's that's the imagination that comes to mind every time i read this but i realize uh what paul describes here is 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 nothing like the purge it's nothing like a post, post-apocalyptic world it's happening today it's happening today And the thing is how it's happening uh, around us, is more subtle, it's more insidious, more sinister than we normally would imagine because it's happening right under our very nose. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, There's this actress, I will not mention her name, uh, maybe because you you like her. Uh, I saw an Instagram post about her speech. And one of uh, the statements that she said was this, you are the arbiter of what is right for you. You are the arbiter of what is right for you. If that sounds familiar to you, maybe you've heard of that, maybe in a different form, in a different language. It's basically the message of many sitcoms net uh, maybe a lot of netflix series that you're watching a lot of movies a lot of commercials uh, these uh contents are saying you you decide what is right for you you do you be yourself be true to who you are let it go let it go can it ho- can hold back anymore that's the message of of the world to us today and if that sounds uh, deceptively good, it, it's because it feels like it's liberating the soul because you are free to do what you want. Uh, and, and nobody else can tell you that you're wrong. But actually, that's, that's disastrous. That's catastrophic. You know, the biblical counterpart of that statement, uh, you are the arbiter or the authority or the judge of what is right for you, nobody else. The biblical counterpart of that, you can find in the book of Judges, uh, the last statement of that book says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And if you look at the story of Judges, it's, it's, it's nastier than the purge, right? It's, it's more violent because everyone was just doing what is right in their own eyes, so this is the world that we live in right now. It's happening. But you might say, well, I, I Pastor, I, I'm not allowing that to influence me. Uh, let me tell you, it's happening actually in your own uh, device. Consider how many of us today are seeing the world through the lens of your social media, right? Your, your Instagram, your Facebook, your social media is your source of connecting with friends, updating, sharing memes, even sharing news. So we see the world now through the lens of our social media. The problem is your social media is not as objective as you think. It, it's not giving you the world as it is. If you agree on something on social media, if you like something, what do you do? you you like, you heart, you you say wow you comment or you share it because you like it right but if you don't agree on something you either ignore it if you, if a friend if your friend is you know a supporter of a leader you don't like what do you do you unfollow right you unfollow uh, if a person is uh, i will hindi ko na sasabihin kung, <laughs> kung, kung sino yung sino, pinafollow niya but if you know if, if a friend uh, in your social media is you know posting a lot of things that they don't uh, agree with eventually you will unfollow so what your social media will think is that these are the content that you agree with and so it will push more content that you agree with and it will reduce significantly you will see less and less content that you disagree with And sooner or later, your social media, you have built yourself a world that completely agrees with you 24-7. You have a social media account. You have a social media world. You are looking at the world through the lens of your social media that completely agrees with you 24-7. And that's why, you know, Paul here warns Timothy and by extension us that there's a great need for something that's beyond our control, something that's outside of us, something that we can trust to shape our thought process, our decision, because we cannot trust our own preferences. We cannot trust, you know, uh, the the people around us. Even, you know, during the time of Martin Luther and even the time now, uh, we cannot put our faith only on human, uh, even if, even if they are leaders, because they are also faulty. They also make mistakes. So we need something that is infallible. We need something that is bigger than us to influence us. So Paul says, you know, you have this world around you. Avoid being influenced by them. Instead, continue what you have learned from me. Right? Sabi ni Paul kay Timothy, learn from what my my experience was. Look at how I experienced all these things continue to learn from that but you know what he did not stop there he did not just say you know Timothy just follow what i did just just uh, copy what i did the good news is paul did not say you know i am the arbiter of what is right for you Timothy he said there is something bigger than you and i that can shape our life and that's something to be the basis of your life and conduct and that is the scripture And here in the last few verses, we have reasons why we can trust the scripture to shape our life. Here are three reasons. Let me give it to you now, and I will explain uh, one by one later. Three reasons why you can trust the scripture to shape your life. One, we can trust its source. Two, we can test its ability. And three, we can tell its result, right? Three things. Let me talk about the first one. We can trust its source. Uh, Paul says in uh, chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture, even the the books in the Bible that you don't like, even the book of Numbers, even Leviticus, even the genealogy is breathed out by God. You know, in other translations, if you have NLT, or maybe I think NIV, it will say all scripture is inspired by God, it's inspired by God. So you have, you know, in in literature, you have books and novels that are inspiring. Uh, You have works that are inspired by true stories, but only the Bible, only the scripture is directly inspired by God. Yes, there are human authors behind every book of the Bible. It's it's not as if God has a pen and he's writing every book of the Bible and just posting and, you know, uh, crediting a person under every book. Every There's a human author behind every book. And the goodness of God is that he is using the life of that person, uh, the imperfection of that person, his culture, the language, the context, to write what he intended to communicate to his people. And so because we believe and we know that God is the ultimately the author of the scripture, we can trust its authority, right? Because he is the author, we can trust its authority. And because when we view that the Bible is uh, ultimately uh, uh, authored by God, because the author is alive today that means the scripture is timeless it's not an archaic book we cannot say that you know uh, uh, the, the bible is an outdated uh, book uh, not applicable to the modern world now yes it's written a specific time period uh, but when you look at the principle of what happened there you can look at the uh, the message of god uh, uh, the people during that time and to us today. It is applicable because the author is still alive and alive for eternity. It is applicable to all people of all time. And because the author is all-knowing, because the divine author is all-knowing, then that means the scripture is the only literature where the author completely knows you. Just like the song that uh, uh, we listened to earlier and we sang earlier, all our ways are known to God. And that's the author of the the one that we're reading right now. The Bible is the only book that reads you back. As you read it, it reads you back because the author is alive. So reason number one, we can trust its source. We can trust its source. Reason number two we can test its ability. Pastor, what is the scripture's ability? Uh, Is it just able to inspire me or to push me towards the right direction? Well, uh, its ability is more than that because it is infused by the life-giving spirit. You remember, you know, kaya maganda yung language that the the scripture is breathed out by God. If you remember, um, there's one instance in the scripture when, something was breathed out by God, uh, and that is man. When, when, when he created Adam and Eve, he breathed into them uh, uh, life. And so that's the same thing that's happening in, in the scripture. It's alive because there's a life-giving spirit uh, infused in it. And because of that, it has a unique ability that no other no other literature can do. Two, two abilities. One, because it has a life-giving spirit, it can bring you from death to life, salvation. The scripture is able to bring you to salvation. Also, it can mold your new life in the likeness of his son, that's sanctification. So those are the two unique abilities that we can test the scripture, that it can bring anyone to salvation, that it can uh, it is useful for everyone's sanctification. Look at verse 15 uh, in our text. Paul says, Timothy, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to make you wise, not just for wise, uh, not just wise for daily life, but for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen, no one has become no one can become a child of God without encountering the word of God. Romans 10 17 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. The scripture is able to bring us to salvation. But also, it is useful for your sanctification. Pastor, ano naman yung big word mo. Maybe some of you are familiar with the word sanctification. uh, But, you know, don't be intimidated by uh, theological words. This is something important so that, you know, when, when you hear it elsewhere, as you know what uh, people are talking about. Basically, sanctification uh, means it's an ongoing work of God in your life to make you more and more like Christ. It's an ongoing work of God in your life to make you more and more like Christ. That's basically what sanctification is. And God is using the Bible. God is using the scripture to make that happen. How does the scripture do that? Uh, again, verse 16, uh, the second part of verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So yung righteousness pala, no hindi automatic. We are trained towards righteousness. Yes, uh, the righteousness of God is imputed to us in Christ, but uh, as we grow and to uh, grow to look more and more like christ in our daily walk we need the scripture to train us towards that right pastor what does the what's the difference between teaching reproof correction and training maybe that's just the you know saying the same thing in different ways there are differences on these words let me explain when we say it the scripture teaches us, it's saying, this is the way to go, right? Teaching says, this is the way to go. Rebuking or reproof says, you are going the wrong direction. You are going the wrong direction. Correcting is, you need to turn around. You need to make a U-turn. And training is, this is how you do it. So that's how that plays together. So the, 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 the scripture is saying, you know, this is the way to go. Uh, if, if you want to be more and more like Christ, this is the way to go. But you are going the wrong direction. That's reproof. You need to turn around and trust Christ. And this is how you do it. That's the beauty of the scripture. That's the beauty of the scripture. It does not bend according to our preferences. It gives us exactly what we need. It will not lie to us. It gives us a perfect reflection of who we really are in Christ, of who we really are in the face of God and what we ought to do, what we ought to be uh, because of Christ. You know, when I was uh, uh, about 10 to 12 years old, uh, I, I frequently go to this uh closest national bookstore uh, to open a, a novel called Choose Your Adventure series. I don't know if uh, some of you are familiar with that. You can choose your adventure novels. So it's usually like a, a detective story or or an adventure. Um, so the, the premise of the Choose Your Adventure novels is that when you open the book or when you open the novel, um, as you read through, merong option. Turn to turn to page 100 if you if you like this. Turn turn to page 50 if you like this. So I never own the copy of a choose your own adventure book. Uh, one because uh, it's not within my budget, and two, uh, I I actually don't like it. I actually don't like uh, being uh, being told uh, at uh, you know. Uh, giving options. Uh, and I remember uh, if you have a Netflix account, uh, if you are familiar with Black Mirror, they they uh, they aired a special episode called Bandersnatch. So it's the Netflix version of a choose-your-own-adventure type of series kasi pwede mong control yung ending nung series. So I watch it with with Julie. Uh, it's, it's we didn't like it. <laughs> we didn't like the 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 premise of the of the story. Um, but you know what sad, uh, saddens me? Uh, I went to book sale one time, and I saw this devotion that says, "Choose your own ending devotion. Choose your own ending devotion." It saddens me because. If you look at the scripture, if you choose your own ending, it will not end well. It will not end well. The Bible, my friends, is not a choose your own adventure type of writing. We don't pick and choose, we don't control the outcome. It will be pointless. It will be dangerous if you treat it that way. You know, the scripture, listen to this the scripture is most profitable. It's most profitable when it is not about us. The scripture is most profitable when it is not about us. Yes, it is for us. It is for our sanctification, but it is not about us. And that moving away from self-centeredness, from uh, uh, a self-centered view of the world is an evidence of why we can trust the scripture and that's our third reason we can also tell its result we can see we can observe the evidence of someone's uh, life being shaped by the scripture and that's verse 17 let me read 16 and 17 again the whole thing all scripture is breathed out by god and is profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the result, my friends, that every person called by God will be complete and equipped for every good work. And what that means is that we grow into a life that is lived for others. We grow into a life that is lived for others. And that's what good works is all about we do good works not just for our own self-gratification. We do good works for the service of others. We do good for our city. We, pray, we pay the right taxes. We follow our road instructions. We follow uh, COVID-19 guidelines for the good of others. Yes, for our own health, but we are also concerned of others. And that's what we see As the the scripture will shape our life, we think of ourselves less and we think of doing good to others. Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise, not you, not me, not the church, but praise the Father that is in heaven. That's the essence of good work, that we live in the service of others for the glory of God. But pastor, how come, kahit na yung sinasabi mo na we can, uh, there's an evidence of uh, uh, people growing into a uh, life level for others, how come I know people who claim to know the Bible, who r- seem to read it regularly, pero salbahi pa rin. Pero ang hirap pa rin kausap, uh, difficult to, to be with, still living a self-centered life. How, is, how do we make sense of that? You know, sadly, that is true. That is the world that we live in, that not all people, and this is true, not all people who read the scripture are Christians. Not all who study uh, the word of God will have the spirit of God. And that's what Paul is saying in this chapter, that they are continually learning, that they are uh, uh you know, searching and searching the scripture, but they will not have the knowledge of truth. And the knowledge of truth there is, uh, is talking about salvation. But we also need to understand, you know, if you see someone uh, who's devoting himself to reading the scripture regularly, but still, you know, making uh, sinning left and right, uh, we need to understand that, yes, uh, the, the the scripture transforms us, but the transformation is not automatic. The transformation is not automatic. So you might see people who are Christians posting a Bible verse one day and commenting on the government the next day. But that does not mean, that does does not negate the work of God in a person's life. You know, sometimes because of uh, situations like that, because we see people who, who, you know, misuse the Bible, who, who do not seem to, uh, to represent Christianity the right way, the, uh, the, the proper way. And we say, you know, kaya, kaya, I don't believe in Christianity because of people like so and so and so and so. And so. You know, there are significantly more people, there are significantly more people who are genuinely being shaped by the gospel who are genuinely being shaped by the Bible that are doing good in the world. They are doing good in the world. They just don't grab the headlines. We just don't see them the um, headlines because what we always see in, in the headlines are the people doing bad. There are significantly, I believe there are more people, there are more people who are doing good in the world. And that's because they are being shaped by the scripture. And that is the promise of the Bible, my friends, that if you submit yourself to it, that if you allow it to shape your life, you should expect to trans it to transform your life, to equip your life in the service of others. So again, the reasons why we can trust the Bible today is that we can trust its source. It's coming from God, directly breathed out by God. We can test its ability, its unique ability to bring us to salvation uh to gr- to help us grow in sanctification and we can tell its results we can observe uh in, in the life of people uh, that they are living their lives for others so today if i have convinced you to or encouraged you to allow the scripture to shape your life more than more than your work more than your relationships yes those are important but if you uh, if all those things are in submission to the authority of the scripture in your life let me give some practical applications some practical ways on how you will allow the scripture to shape your life today let me give three one is that you can read the bible carefully read the bible carefully don't rush into it you know don't this is not a race you know i remember one time i was too proud of myself i want to be seen as a, a really good Christian guy. So I made this bold statement at the start of, I can't remember what year it was, that I will finish the Bible in one year. Uh, I did not finish the Bible in one year. I don't have to rush. We don't don't rush the reading of the Bible. Just, you know, start at your own pace and work at it. So that that's what it means to read the Bible carefully. Just, you know, uh, uh, read slowly and try to, to, uh, to make sense of what you are reading. And that also means be honest, ask questions. Try to discover the answers to your questions. Uh, I, I shared the story of Martin Luther earlier. Um, in his life, as he was reading the scripture, you know what he said? I hate the God of the Bible. Because uh, he's trying to figure out his faith, his religion at that time, and what the Bible says about God, and it doesn't connect. So it's confronting him. He says, uh, this, this God of the Bible is just so, it's a tyrant. Uh, I don't like him. I don't love him until the scripture opens his heart to the gospel. So read the Bible carefully, read the Bible collectively, collectively. And what I mean by that are two things. One, uh, you ought to read the Bible with others. So yes, you can read the Bible in your own time, in your uh, uh, in your personal uh, quiet time, but also take time to read the Bible with others because maybe you have questions that other people have answers, or maybe you have answers that other people have questions too. So you can help one another in, in, in understanding what the scripture means. But also uh, reading the Bible collectively means reading the whole Bible so you can see the big picture, the one big grand story of the scripture. So let's say um, you are, are stuck in a while with your favorite passage. Uh, kung ang favorite passage mo is John three sixteen, and and that's basically your, your life verse. How about just read the whole chapter and, and you will realize that You know, this John 3.16 happened in an intimate conversation with an earthly rabbi and a heavenly rabbi. And you will realize the magnitude of this statement, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when you're done with that, maybe read chapter 4 and you will see the encounter of of Jesus with a different person instead of a rabbi, a Samaritan woman. Or read chapter 2 where, you know, Jesus is in a wedding. And then when you're done reading chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4, maybe read the whole book of John. And you will see how uh, the Gospel of John pictures Jesus differently from uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And when you're done with that, maybe read the whole New Testament. And when you're done with that, read the whole Old Testament. And you will see it will tell you a grand story about God. So read the Bible collectively, but third is read the Bible consistently. Uh, similar to reading the Bible carefully, you know, um, just pick a time that you are most alert. Pick a pick a time that you're uh, there are least distractions in in your schedule. Uh, and again, you don't have to force it. You know, start with just ten minutes of reading. Maybe improve on. 15 minutes and then 30 minutes and then you know if you are if you are able to read an hour, read a chapter a day and then read two chapters a day and then you grow into it. And allow uh, and see and observe how as you read the Bible carefully, collectively and consistently, see how it shapes your decisions, your processing of of situations, your reaction. Things happening around you, you know, uh, being biblically shaped in this church means that we will make decisions that is based on the scripture. Uh, we will not uh, we will not depend on the culture. We will not be tempted to just follow a trend. We will not just be forced to do something that the Bible clearly does not say. Uh, and I hope that's something that we will strive for as a church. Also. I hope that's something that you will do that you will when you make decisions it's it's immerse it's shaped by what the bible says and not just be forced or be tempted or influenced because everybody is doing it again let me go back to to this guy martin luther because this is the reformation weekend so i keep talking about him uh in 1521 5 uh, 499 years ago so we said Martin Luther uh, posted 95 theses on the Wittenberg door. Uh, A few years later, he was already excommunicated by the Catholic Church, and he was branded a heretic. But because uh, he has been influencing people already with his writings, he was given a chance to recant, to retract his position. So he went to a council of worms or uh, if you look at the history, Diet of Worms, it's not, never mind, but, but it's called Diet of Worms. So he was given the opportunity to, to speak and say, uh, maybe you can recant or you can retract the, the things that you said uh, against uh, the, the church. But instead of recanting, instead of uh, retracting his position, this is what he said to the council. He said, I stand convinced by the scriptures to which I have appealed, and my conscience is taken captive by God's word. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to act against our conscience is neither safe for us nor open to us. On this, I take my stand. I can do no other. God help me. That's a person who struggled in understanding the God of the Bible to taking a stand to what he believes, what the Bible says. You know, beyond Martin Luther, I think the best description of a person, of someone who's shaped by the scripture is Jesus Christ himself. Remember as a young boy, he spent his time, uh, he spent a time in the temple Listening, actually, listening and asking questions to the teachers of the law. When he was tempted in the wilderness, he quoted scriptures to oppose the devil. When he was confronted by the Pharisees because of the things that he was doing, he taught them, he shared to them the true essence of the Torah. He is not ignoring the Torah. He is not saying, de kalimutan niyo na yon. He's not saying that. He is saying that there's a true essence, there's a deeper meaning of the Torah, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Even on the cross, even on the cross while he was in pain, while he was in agony, his words were coming from the scripture, from the Psalms. Every word of what he said came from the Psalms. Of, I mean, from the scriptures. And upon his resurrection, remember, upon his resurrection, one of the first things he did was to explain the scripture to a couple of his followers who were without hope, were hopeless. And he told them all the, that all the things that happened, his life, his death and resurrection, is what the scriptures meant, that he is the point of the scripture. So my friends, if the God Uh, of the Bible, and that the Son of God, our our Savior, the living word, the word that became flesh, values the written word, then it should motivate us to value God's word and treasure it like no other. Because the point of the scripture is not just to give us more information. The point of the scripture is to point us to our Savior. Let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you for this time that we can immerse ourselves in your word. We recognize, Lord, that as we read the Bible, we are looking at your words for your people of all time, of all places, and you have caused this word to be planted in our hearts. Lord, help us. Uh, value the scripture the way you meant it to be, to to protect our time of reading the scripture. I pray, Lord, that you will inspire us to, to be a community that is under the authority of the scripture. I pray, Lord, that as we make decisions in our life, as we respond to situations around us, and even as we process difficult things, uh, allow the scripture to shape those things in our minds and in our hearts because you know, we want to do this because the Bible is drawing us closer and closer to you because of Jesus Christ. This is our prayer and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.